Welcome to part two of our Bath Digital Festival special. In this episode, as well as giving you a roundup of the day's events, we also feature an interview with Jim Morrison, the festival director, and ask him pointed questions such as, why are the workshops so far apart? It's day two of our trip to Bath Digital Festival here at Early Doors for a networking event with Noisy Little Monkey. And then there's a day of events there where we'll be looking at lots of different things. I can't remember what they are right now, but I'm joining Al. Um, he's coming on a little later. Right, see you later. Um, right, I've pulled uh, Tim aside. Uh, found we were having a great, great chat earlier, and I thought Tim would uh, would be good coming on our podcast and uh, give us his feedback from the day. So, Tim, tell me what you found that um, one of the events that you found exciting today. Well, I've just come from one from a company called WeAreReady.com. Right, fascinating. They're talking about you know people's attention span is three seconds maximum. Um, but I then told the chap uh, Jack just met him, and uh, I was saying about how I was on this train journey from Bath to Bristol mm-hmm. the other day. And I was looking over someone's shoulder. I couldn't really see what she was seeing, but I looked at her flicking through her, her, her phone. And it was actually, it was less than three seconds. She was looking at things like half a second, half a second, one second, one second, half a second. And in fact, when she stopped at one thing, I think it was about a girl brushing her hair. It was like, she was seven seconds. And I thought, wow, come on. What's wrong? Yeah, yeah what's wrong? It was, and and uh, you know, it was fascinating. He was talking about how you've got just this tiny, tiny moment to capture mm. someone's attention um and they say it's three seconds but i think it's even less than that nowadays yeah and th- there was another good talk from uh john from the noisy little monkey noisy little I monkey think. yeah yeah in fact they had a few talks um but he was talking about sales emails and so mm. some really good tips on on what to do i'll make sure that all the notes I, i've got are published on that there's one that i took but the, the, at the end of a conversation, if, you, if, you've, if you're not going to get the sale, they haven't communicated back to you, then he actually has quite a good passive-aggressive email. That's right, that the, rude, the rude email, yeah. yeah. Well, if you're not interested, then go away. Basically, yeah, <laughs> and he gets response from that. That's right, yeah, that's right. It works that's really, really well. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Tim. Um, well, okay, it's a company called evershare.io where fans can buy a share of a song. Mm. Um, there's a major problem in the music industry where 75% of the industry is controlled by just three companies. Yeah. They're not interested in new bands today. They're not, you know, they're only interested in back catalogue or Adele mm. or Ed Sheeran, um, the superstars. They're not really interested or even set up to look after the new bands that are coming along. And there's so many new bands out there with a lot of good talent, um, but they have a problem. People don't buy CDs anymore. Yeah. A like on Facebook, that's not going to get you buy a, a, you know, a sandwich. So how do those bands get money now at the start of their career when they need it most? Um, so Evershare is basically, you could call it crowdfunding. I want to call it crowd vesting. So if you see a band and you like them, you're going to buy a share in one of their songs, just mm-hmm. a little share. You know, you want, you're going to get something back. You're going to give them a fiver, maybe a tenner, a bit more, whatever it is, and you'll get your share in proportion um, to whatever you put in. So it's just a way of making that connection between band and fan and making it more a journey, shall we say. You, you've got part of the band now, you're part of the song. So yeah. if, you, if you own it, you're going to share about it, you're going to like and post about it a bit e- more. Exactly, and that's what I like about it. I think people who are committed and part of that community, they, they want to support you. You know, sometimes you find, how can I give this person money, whether it's a YouTuber, whether it's a band or, you know, whoever you like, how can I give them money? This is a really good way of doing it, getting their vested interest in it yeah. with potential real gains at the end. Well, but yeah, potentially. <laughs> well, someone would, Adele was nobody once. Everybody was nobody once. So somebody out there is the next Adele. Yeah. Somebody out there is the next Ed Sheeran. And if you, you know, buy a share in one of their songs, 
bragging rights later. You, you've, if they got, do well. you've got a lot of but bragging I think, rights. But I think what you also do is you get you you sort of buying the permission from them to shout about it because because yes. they have a vested interest. They're more likely to do that promotion for you. Well, that's the idea, and and say you're creating that community. But record companies and major publishers aren't interested in new artists these days. So not only are you giving the support to the artists financially, uh, but you're giving them a bit of social media, you know, extra shouts out there but also it might be something like say you invest in a band and they're playing down in bristol um they're going to invite you on the guest list you're, yeah. going to, you're going to feel special about that and then they might say to you hey ben um do you know anyone who's a photographer and you go yeah i know someone who's a photographer so you're making that sort of connection so it's a little a little micro community around the band where everybody's sharing um you know sharing a bit of money sharing a bit of success sharing a bit of the work that's the idea that I'm trying to create yeah. at Evershare. And what's the URL again? Evershare.io. Okay, we'll make sure we put that in the notes. Thanks very much, Tim. Thank Enjoy you, the man. rest of the day. Thank you very much. What a day. <laughs> it's only halfway through. I know. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't managed to get together. We've been so busy. Going to lots of different events. Um, what have we seen? What have we seen? Uh, today we've uh, looked at a um, call to action and landing page um, talk. I think the takeaways from that were um, uh, to keep it simple, clear, targeted, and bold. Is that with the, the, the naughty little monkeys, as I like to think of them, or naughty yeah, little monkeys? Noisy little monkeys, yeah. yes. Um, yes, that seems so long ago now, but that was just this morning. It's really good, yeah, actually. Yeah. Wow. Um, the first presenter, I, I sorry, I, don't, I forget your name. I thought it was really good. You were very, you were quick, you were sharp, lots of points. Wrote, I pretty much wrote them all down, so thank you for that. Um, but we'll, we'll obviously link you in the notes for this. Um, that was really good. Uh, um, James, I think, was the next guy. He had some elements on uh, marketing automation. Okay, I do the different talks. So yeah, oh, you that's get, right. You yeah, carry so, on. so Tell me marketing about that. automation. So he's basically talking a little bit about cookies, what they are, and then looking at the process of marketing automation, what it is, uh, and how it works. And essentially, it's just the process of um, nurturing customers before they come to the sales team. So, so basically, um, you don't want people to hit a website, fill out a form, and go straight to the sales team because they may or may not be interested at that point in actually buying anything. So, the whole point of marketing automation is to make sure they get the relevant um, information, communication, decisions that they can work through on their in their own time before they get referred to the sales team. Um, on that, which I thought was a good idea, and there's lots of lots of systems that do that. They were they were advocating HubSpot, uh, lots of other systems. I know um, what's the monkey Mailchimp um, do that sort of thing for email what's only. The what's the monkey? Um, <laughs> lots of uh, monkeys today. Campaign Monitor, which is the one we use, that does a bit of marketing automation in terms of emails. That's really good. And just touching actually on the last one, the call to action presentation, which John there, the owner I think of Noisy Little Monkeys, he was talking about call to actions. And um, he had one of his last points that he was going through was this final email he sends out to people, uh, which is basically he gets to the end of the uh, he gets to the end of the process and the, the client hasn't responded. They're not interested, or at least not coming back to anything. He's done everything he can. He sends them this, let's say, mildly passive-aggressive email, um, and it solicits a response every, pretty much every single time. All right. Yeah. A good response. <laughs> um, it's it's always positive, okay. but it never it's not normally winning the work. Okay. But, but usually it gets a response and it's very similar to the magic email which we use and um, you can look that up the magic email um, which is just very it's a one liner I used it recently and actually funnily enough just after that talk I got a response back from the last two I sent I got two responses back we've had a hundred percent response rate to that so basically this is a client you sent them a quote you've done all the follow-ups you get nothing 
And then you send them a hilarious one-liner. You, <laughs> you send them the magic email, you get a response back, literally, I'm not joking, 100%. And it doesn't mean we win the job, but at least we know where we stand. I didn't know about this. Yeah. This is a very interesting. I, I will tell it's you that, that magic. Yeah. Not, I'm, not, I'm not in the loop. <laughs> so meanwhile, while you were in those, I did, uh, went to a little panel um, talk about designing um, a better world, mm -hmm. or designing for a better world in digital. Um, so a mix of different people. Um, from various people who are uh, working towards uh, being more sustainable um, work, and there were agencies who try and well they're doing the right they are not just trying they are doing the right thing um, and also I suppose the big question that came out of it was as an agency uh, or a freelancer um, what can you do if you're if you're approached to work for someone who doesn't really kind of fit with maybe your eth ethical viewpoint so mm -hmm. maybe there are certain um, companies you might not want to work for. I mean, the obvious ones are, are things like um, a maybe tobacco company, um, or, or maybe like a, you know a fossil fuels company. Mm. So it's like, what do you do if you've got work? You've, they've approached you for work. Do you turn them down? Uh, and the, the kind of the answer was, yeah, yeah, it's okay for you. They've got their aims and their goals. Yeah. There's a company, maybe a massive company, and you've got your goals too. And it's fine, even if you're just one person. You've got goals that that you're trying to work towards in your business. And so if that doesn't fit with your ethos, just um, say no, but mm. in, a, in a really structured way that isn't like, well, no, I don't agree with you, but just a productive no. And th there was a bit of talk about how to say no, but just to, put it, to phrase it like that and just say, do you know what, you don't really fit with what I, what I believe in, so I'm not gonna do the best job for you, so. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I've got to rush into another presentation now. It's all good. Um, so it's from Sal, I forget her surname. She's a copywriter. She's, she's actually quite a good presenter, I thought. Lots of energy. Yeah. Um, and oddly, uh, Sal, if, you, if you're going to watch this, um, you were talking about um, being a writer and not doing video. I think actually she'd be really good at doing video, if, well, to complement her writing. Her surname was Skitchen's Blog. Skitchen's Blog. Yeah, Sal's Skitchen's <laughs> Blog. Sal's Skitchen's Blog, yeah. Um, yeah, so she's salskitchenblog.com yes. and all the Instagrams and Twitters and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was really good. She has some good points there about blogging, a, a lot of which we know coming from the industry we come from, but it's, it's good to reiterate it's that. Always, it's always important it's still someone's first go at blogging. Yeah. It, although we also often forget how much we know, it doesn't seem like we know a lot sometimes, or me anyway. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's always someone's first time at doing this. Yeah. It's always someone's first time of knowing what WordPress is or what a blog is or what a website can do or what an app really consists of. So yeah, it's just that. It's important to remember as well. Yeah, I got lots of good points, so I'll, I'll add those to the notes at some point and <laughs> we'll put them all together. Right, we better dash. We've got to run. We have got to run. Right, see you later. So I'm here with uh, Jim Morrison. He's the director of the festival. We've managed to get a couple of minutes of his time. I wanted to find out a little bit more about um, what the festival is and his background. So uh, perhaps you can just introduce yourself, what your company who your company is and, and a little bit about the festival. Yeah, so uh, I'm Jim Morrison, as you said. Um, I'm director of the Digital Festival, but also uh, my day job is uh, I'm founder and CEO of Deep Blue Sky, mm -hmm. which is a digital software agency here at Bath. And tell us a little bit more about the festival. Give me a little bit of its background and what it's about. So the festival's now in its sixth year and was founded by a couple of guys quite a long time ago with a direction more around helping techies uh, get together and speak about the work that they're doing. I took over leading the festival last year, mm -hmm. so this is now um, our second year. And one of the things I've tried to do is diversify it a little bit 
Um, because in those six years, digital technology has crossed so many boundaries in so many different walks of life that we've tried to make sure that the festival is now appealing to individuals and kids who are learning to get into coding or learning to get into technology, uh, to businesses who are now relying more and more and more on the digital infrastructure that underpins the way that they operate their business. And then we still have our whole sort of blue segment, uh, which is techies talking to techies yeah, or good. playing with Lego. Yeah, it's good. So where do you find the speakers for these events? Because we've seen a lot of events during the course of the, what now is our second day. Where do you find people? How do you get people involved? Almost all of the events are volunteered to us by the speakers. Are quite noisy on social media and a lot of that actually is automated. So we go out to uh, our following and start asking people to volunteer their ideas for events or volunteer their ideas just to do a talk. We collect and collate that uh, information over the course of the year mm. and then we curate it into the lineup of events which are either events that people have specifically said this is what I want to put on or they've said I've got an idea about doing this little talk um, and then we put them together with some other people and we build events around the speakers that we've got. Generally speaking um, the speakers and the events come to us. And it seems to build over time because uh, it seems that the talks and, uh, and events are added over time as you're getting nearer the and everything's sort of falling into place. Yeah. Yeah, and it's quite, it's quite exciting. There's certainly lots of. Maybe, maybe one uh, uh, feedback from us is things are spread around throughout the city, so there's lots of running between them, and the times are quite tight. So literally, Al and I have been running between them, just about making it, actually doing quite well in, in, in some of the senses. Does that make it fun, or does it make it frustrating? I think it makes it fun, actually. Yeah. I think it makes it really fun, yeah. yeah. It makes it much more remission. <laughs> yeah. And you see other people sort of out of breath as well, and you've kind of beaten them from uh, talk to talk. <laughs> so I got, I got it's, like that. It's a bit, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a real challenge. I think this year we've tried, like today, for instance, we've got this venue for the day, and mm -hmm. we put a load of talks on here, but there are other talks going on across town. Um, and it's a challenge. It's not. Uh, it's not a conference, and it's we don't definitely don't have that conference vibe. Um, so there's something quite nice I think about racing yeah. around town. Is any other city copying the format um, like this, or are they just more boring conferences? That's a good question. Not that I'm aware of. Uh. I don't know. We we have a good relationship with uh, Brist Bristol Digital Week, mm -hmm. which happens in November, and Brighton Digital Festival. But they're different, slightly different formats. They're slightly different appeals, slightly different audiences. It's a really good value event. Um, I bought it, I think, at full price of fifteen pounds. I know Al got like a, an early bird discount. How do you put it on for that price? Because there's it's a pretty much a full week. Lots going on. There's full day events. Um, you know, it's good value. The kindness of the sponsors um, and support from uh, Baines, the council here, and support from Bath Bid. But yeah, predominantly it's the support of the sponsors. You know, check out the sponsors page and check out what the sponsors are doing because yeah. they they really put it on. They fund the festival. I definitely recommend to anyone, even if they're not techies, come along because a lot of the talks have been very much involved in businesses and very much at their, their level. Um, there's, you know, I think there's different talks at different people's levels and it's, it's pretty much accessible for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the ticket price uh, and the layout of the talks play together. Um, I think if we put the ticket price up, we would change the dynamic of yeah. who comes to the festival. The ticket price is, is set at a level, it's aimed at least at a level that ensures people come to the things they say they're going to come to because we this year particularly we were selling out events quite early on mm -hmm. so we don't want to sell out events and then have people not turn up and people who wanted to come not be able to get in um, but it's also about making sure that people who wouldn't necessarily be able to justify the cost of going to a conference can get along to an event because if anything 
I mean, I've been to, a, been to a lunch today. There is an opportunity for people who know how to work and know how to think mm. to reskill into the digital industry. And the digital industry is absolutely desperate for people who have the skills to do the, the jobs that we, we have and we can't fill. So that's a large part of what the festival is about, is, is opening people's eyes up to, to the opportunity to move into the industry. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for, for taking time to talk to us, and we'll look forward to, to next year. Cool. Pleasure. Thank you. So what did we do? What did we last talk about? So uh, we were just talking about the Design Better World, and we had to cut it short because we had to dash to yeah. our next talk. Got it. So what, yes, what did you do next? Right, so, yes, what I was, my next sort of bits I needed to say were uh, this idea of saying no to companies that perhaps aren't in keeping with your kind of ethos, if you're like an agency or a freelancer, um, and just saying it in a you know, positive and constructive way, and uh, hopefully you know, you'll get to be known for, for, for doing that and yeah. get more respect in the long run. But I suppose, and the, the, the opposite side of that is people will say, well, to themselves, well, if I don't do it, then someone else will do it. Yeah. But that, I don't, yeah, that's not a really strong argument, is it? it it's, it's like saying, well, if I, yeah, if I don't, you know, if, if I recycle, someone else isn't going to bother recycling. There's a couple of questions. One of them was um, really good one, saying, "Well, what can I do as an individual, just to kind of try and stop the bad companies, or at least, you know, make a stand in some way that isn't, you know, political or anything?" And a really interesting answer, which I guarantee you would never think of, and that's to look at your pension, right? And that most people's pensions, two thirds of people's pensions fund oil, fossil fuels and tobacco. Oh right, in, co in terms of what they're investing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, you just don't think of it. It's a lot of money there, you're not even thinking what it's yeah. doing. So yeah, that was a really good Yeah, uh, you don't think really about that with bank accounts as well. There's, I mean, I mean, is it First Direct? They, they were one of the first banks to say, we don't do that. We don't oh, fund these, yeah. these types of things, yeah. criminal activity. You forget, and of course they were saying it's quite hypocritical for people to be out demonstrating about these sort of things when actually all the money they're saving is going and paying for something. But they don't know that necessarily. No, and that's the point, yeah. yeah. Um, so after that one, I went to one about digital brands, which is really interesting from a, um, a guy from a company called Ready. And so they deal with some big brands, um, and he clearly knows the stuff about statistics and, and buying and sort of changes in buying habits. And he was saying that um, you know I think 56% of people now buy on a mobile, so right. that's like going up. So again, it's just another um, another obvious message there to have your site working for mobile for, for buying. Um, and that uh, was it. A third of online purchases are, um, are just impulsive. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not impulsive at all. He did have a great. Graph. Apparently, a lot of people do that on Insta um, yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah Instagram's a big moment. Yeah, big yeah I've got something on that. Um, so there was an interesting graph with different types of products and and how long people take to make decisions about buying. So I mean, I'm terrible. I never buy anything anyway. Um, certainly not new, but things like electronics. He's good on know, eBay. Yeah, but things like electronics is a longer. A window where you'd need to like assess things and compare. Oh, really? And like, yeah. And so for uh, for um, things like um, someone's clothes or, or makeup, he, he worked mostly with healthcare and makeup sort of products. Um, yeah, it was a really really short amount of time that people would go, oh yeah, that'll do. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I want that and buy it. It wasn't it wasn't a long time. It was it was really really quite impulsive sort of purchases. Um, lots of information about personalisation. So there's a company that you can literally make your own kind of shampoo. You can make different colour, put your name on it. Uh, whatever you want, how you want it to smell, you can kind of just design it and buy it. Yeah. And it's just a huge, uh, uh, yeah, I guess, customer um, uptake of things that are personal that you can design. And, you, and as humans, we have a, a much more attachment to things that we've helped design. 
uh, and again the brand story you, know, you can tell people and you feel really proud of it you put it on a shelf maybe you don't want to use it because you've got to no, make it but this, uh, yeah, but this is things, mine yeah it's a big yeah it's these powerful. things are these things are really um really interesting and again he showed uh information about the way that previously buying used to work where you'd kind of see an advert and then you think about it and then you go in the shop and then you'd maybe buy it and then you'd have like a post-buying sort of thing and now it's much different much more different in the sense that people buy things they've never seen yeah. Or, yeah. or held or yeah. touched so it, and they were also there's like a loop so other people who bought it you'll kind of trust them so it's like peer a peer review system so just going uh, jumping forward to one of the events with Sal um, yes the kitchen blogger the kitchen blogger yeah um, who we did talk about but she was talking about um, about that trust really generating trust oh no was it Emily oh I'm confused now sorry guys um, uh, but they would uh, one of them yes, Sal or Emily. Emily it was yes. Emily yeah but sorry we haven't gone to that one yet yeah so um, well maybe it's a good time well, um, there was just one other thing I just want to add. Okay, well, let's just bring this in, then we can hop back. So uh, Emily was talking about trust, and that's a really important thing, you know, really going to finding out who your audience trusts. Because the moment you have that trust, there's so many boxes that get tick ticked off and that you can then, um, you're much more likely to buy things rather than going through this huge list. And I actually, I took a photo of, um, someone had a list of all the things that we want to tick off mentally in our mind before we purchase a product. And the moment you have that trust from someone else, that, that referral, um, most of those get ticked off. Yeah, and again, it, I've heard it a few times a day. No one really wants to be sold to. Yeah. They just want to see that's, the that thing. That is a big theme, it. isn't it? I want it or yeah. they want the solution. They don't want to be sold to. And that, yeah. that's kind of modern. And that's with the younger generation phrase. as well. Yeah. I think a lot of the younger generation are quite savvy to that. Yeah. Um, not like us suckers who will be happy, happy to be sold to. Which, which leads me into a little bit. At the end of his talk, he showed a system whereby um, it's like an app. So say you're on uh, Instagram typically or something like that. And you see... Um, Again, well, he was talking about fashion, so it's a nice dress or yeah. clothes that you like. Take a photo of it. It identifies things in the photo, like glasses, a necklace, and a dress. And it goes away and it finds things that look exactly like those things online for sale. Yeah. And so he said, yeah, if you look at this and you're like, oh, I like that dress, click on it. Within 46 seconds, you've bought, you can buy a, online a dress from any you know online retailer um, from this system. And I've seen a similar thing with holidays. So holidays, say, yeah. Sometimes say you've got a holiday snap. Yeah. Like, oh, that's really cool. I want to go there. Click on it. It works out where it is and says, oh, here's some flights. And, and here's the flights. Oh. Yeah, works out your uh, your plan for the holiday. It's amazing. Crazy stuff. Takes all the fun out of it. But yeah, it? I mean, it, it, it makes sense in, in, in many respects. But yes, takes the fun out of it. It's not fun <laughs> booking holidays. So moving on to? Moving on to... Um, well, I went to a lean marketing. You did. I, I think I had a lot of time. In fact, I caught up with, um, uh, with a guy in between who was talking about his his viewpoint on, on the events that he's seen so far and um, an app that he's creating to help fa fund um, small music artists. So uh, we'll, we'll put, put that in at some point after this, which yeah. is really interesting to get that feedback. Yeah. Um, and then I think, moving on to Emily, I think that was one of the last ones that I, I saw. Unless can you want to go to the lean? Can I talk about my lean content? Let's go to the lean. Because that was in between. Yeah, cool. So, brilliant. Um, I can't remember her name, which is a crime, because it's for me it's a standout talk of the day. Um, uh, were you in that one as well? No. Oh, just me, was it? Do you take photos of the slides? I do. No, because she didn't allow it. <gasps> really? Yeah, she was brilliant. She just said, if you're on your laptop, it was great. It was, she was used to be a teacher, and you could tell. But she said, if you're on your, she said, put your phones away. I don't want you to take any notes. Not in a bad way, not like copyright issues. Just like, she says, and anyone on their laptop right now, doing social media, put it down. And there was someone next to me, and they went, <laughs> so if you're doing those things, you're not actually really listening. And, um, Whoever you so, are, well done. Yeah, it's, good. it's really good. Anyway, she was saying, um, get to know your customer. And it yeah. sounds really obvious. And she was just saying, a lot of content marketing you kind of hear is, is well, the 
and you know, maybe not what you should be doing, the first thing you need to do is to get to know your audience mm -hmm. really, really well and ask some key questions. I don't have any notes because I wasn't allowed to take any notes. I've just written down lean marketing and that, that's really all I've been able yeah. to put. But I did write down afterwards, um, just to make it simple, single channel, so that means just focus on a single channel, just right. focus on one thing, don't yep. try to make it everything. If, it's, if your users, after you've identified your users, um, is their Twitter follow, then just do it on Twitter, yeah. make it straightforward, simple, like one proposition, one thing. Um, I do think though that sometimes you don't know what that channel is. No, but that's the point. You need to find that so, out. So yeah, but sometimes it's good just to try different channels, see which one sticks the best. Is she saying try them independently, but no. put your full effort into no, it? No, she's not. She's saying go and really know your audience. So she she oh, actually yeah, okay. pulled out yes, people yeah. in the audience, um, different businesses. We had yeah. to do little um, we had little um, breakaway times to do stuff on our, by ourselves right. so with other people so we actually had to talk to people oh yeah yeah and she went and sat at the back of the room yeah we had yes. to do little things so yes. I was with this interesting guy that's from what the, teachers uh, do isn't it yes she was great um, from the Wiltshire Wildlife Trust um, and we were just sort of discussing the, the questions and it's like you know what problems do our customers have who are they who's our sort of target people and, um, and then she would ask people in the audience and she would I mean considering she'd never heard those business uh, businesses before she gave extremely um, precise and really like I don't want to use the word obvious, but um, very perceptive yeah. um, reasons for like their, who their audience was. And one guy at the front, I mean, he was just, he didn't really know. And she was like, well, this is obviously the reason, like, this is your customer and this is why. Yeah, this is the uh, problem. And it, clearly, that, that's, that's why they're doing this. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay. And so then you can come away from that with a really clear understanding of who your audience is. And you should just try and, you've got, you've got to know who they are and what, how they want to be communicated with I guess yeah and that leads us on actually to Emily <laughs> the final one I think of the evening Emily's one was all about uh, basically launching a product a tech product specifically but, but launching products and she goes through the different phases from uh, understanding your audience or really actually understanding yeah who's trying to sell it to understanding your product what your product is and she gave um, there's a good exercise where you basically get uh, understand your product specifications list those down then move those to features then, then look at what are the benefits to people from those features. And then, and this is what you really want to know, the values. What are the values based on all of that? Because you basically, you don't want to sell on specifications, which is what it is, what it's made from, or features or benefits, really. You want to go straight to the values, because that is what's going to help people buy from you and actually, and actually spend money. And help well, there are different kinds of people. There are people who will compare technical specifications. Yes, but I think so, that can come later often. If you can give, if, if they're getting value from it, but they'll still feel that they want to look into the technical specifications. Like she said, she was uh, talking about a box that um, uh, her brother had or something like that, and it had the technical specifications on the back. Well, it's still got those. Yeah, it's got them there yeah, for comparison. Yeah. You know, that's, that is really useful. But, but who, who really cares if your computer comes with a, a 2 gigahertz processor or 2.3 gigahertz processor if it's able to run Word? And you're able to process. Uh, yes. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. But it's yeah. able to run Word. Great. Um, it's able so I can uh, I can actually put together a portfolio of my family. Great. So I can actually um, send out Christmas cards to my family and make them myself and bring joy to my That's family. The problem yeah. solved. Yeah. And linking into it to that. Yeah. And it's it's really for me looking at the pain point. What is the pain point? What are you trying to address? What is the problem? If you can do that, and ultimately she said, if you can address that pain point in your product before you've made it and make your product address that pain point directly, that's better. Um, I'm not going to address all of it. She had some very good points. I've written a lot down. Um, she was a very entertaining speaker. I thought she was very good, actually. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we've just been to two different things now. Yeah. So I'll just quickly talk about mine. Um, I went to uh, Bristol and Bath Cyber Meetup. Um, 
I'm just just interested generally. I thought it looked it sounded like a good idea. I, uh, just just so people know, this um, if you're wondering what this logo is, this is the uh, WordPress meetup group in Cheltenham. Uh, so thank you very much, Elliot, to let me have one of these to promote it on our video. Um, and I thought, well, I, I, I quite like meetup groups. It's a really good way to meet new people. It's, um, if you've got problems, you can share them with people. And it's, it's a nice, friendly way to network, not like the business networking that is, uh, a lot of people commonly do. So I really enjoy it. And I thought, well, this would be a good experience. And I, I wasn't let down. I mean, the moment we came there, free beer, which is good. But that, that wasn't the main thing. As I was getting my beer, I met a lovely chap, and we, we were just chatting all the way through. And he, he's, um, I won't share his name now, but I'll probably put it in the notes um, or put his company in the notes. Uh, he was all to do with trying to solve the identity problem. So trying to know how I um, am represented online and how people can know who I am through various different mechanisms. Fa fascinating, he's just told me a little bit about it. The actual group was really nice, very friendly. Um, they had a few different discussions talking about Cambridge Analytica. Uh, there was one woman who was studying her doc doctorate, so she present presented some facts from that. Um, and then a few other um, talks, which was quite interesting, but mm. the Cambridge Analytica one stood out for me, and pizza at the end. But we'd already had pizza, so I had to skip. <laughs> but too much pizza. Yeah, really good guys. I enjoyed that a lot, um, and I hopefully try and come to another one at some point when uh, maybe I can drag Al out along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. And how was yours? So I went to a sort of panel discussion on um, uh, equality uh, and diversification and diversity in the workplace. Yeah. I guess IT is a it's traditionally a sort of male-dominated sort of um, arena and so they were, uh, they were just they were talking about that but also you know other things um, like people who've been away from work for a while and coming back and, and how often they're also um, aligned and not yeah. uh, not recruited and um, so they had various different uh, people on the panel uh, tackling all sorts of things from like impost feeling like an imposter um, and, and a, a local company who've kind of got an equal uh, paternity and maternity kind of um, scheme for time off um, and uh, other H sort of HR people who've got experience of um, just implementing kind of more modern and you know with it kind of policies, not not the sort of structure, you know, the old structured kind of sexist policies that mm -hmm. are kind of built into a lot of companies, especially around you know um, uh, parental leave and things like that. Um, so and one chap who their company does do like the, a thing called returnships, so like an like an apprenticeship or. A, an internship it's like a returnship yeah so if you've been away maybe traveling or you've maybe had a child and been off work it's a way of coming back into work in a structured way so mm -hmm. you're not just thrown in day one because that can be really yeah, i mean that's imagine. quite mm -hmm. scary and also it's a massive barrier to entry for people who are like I, I, i've been at this for so long i can't come back in so that was that's a really good thing and i don't think many companies do it and he you know he admitted he, he gets some amazing candidates that way people who've maybe been away in the army and come back or something and he's he's got people in all sorts of walks of life who've gone and done things coming back and he says they're just phenomenal so he says he didn't actually want to share his secret because he doesn't want other people to take these people <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's good and there's also a lot of uh, a bit of talk about home working and flexible working in there as well which i contributed a little bit to oh yeah i missed um i i did uh, go to a talk on uh, culture not vulture i think it was called oh, um yeah. and there was a panel discussion where they were talking about that and a lot of um you know making sure you have not only a diverse workforce but you allow your workforce to be truly flexible to work where they want when they want flexible holidays especially for you know maybe working mother or working um father allowing them flexibility to um uh to take the children to school or pick the, ch pick the children up work around their children work at night you know whatever is suitable for them yeah, and really yeah. working with people and not trying to work towards this very outdated 
presenteeism-based um, yeah. workforce, which I a mean, lot of people still Yeah, think. I mean, if you can give someone an hour extra in the morning, yeah. uh, and you've got that person and they're brilliant, why, why wouldn't you do that? And yeah. that's, again, a bit of a message that came across in this other panel as well. So Yeah, it's um, important. Yeah. Well, we should wrap up, because you've got to get the train soon, I think. Yeah. Um, it's been a long two days, it feels. I feel it feels like a week for me, frankly. Um, not, in, not, I mean, just tiredness, but it's been really good. I've, sure. I've enjoyed uh, a lot of it. Um, today, I think there were a lot of good ones. Uh, for me, Noisy Little Monkeys, they had some great, great presentations. They were half an hour long. They were generally studied with very good points. And yes. that is the way to kick, kick a presentation out. It's just mm. to say, I'm not going to do it for too long. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm just going to give you some very good bullet points. Done really well. Um, and then I think also for me, Emily was really good. And then actually the Bath, Bath and Cyber Meetup was a really nice wind down, really nice, really nice way to introduce me to something else that um, I'll probably come down again for. So actually it's a really, really good day. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So um, this is it. Um, this is the end of our, our Bath um, digital special. Well, yes, indeed. I've got two more days of me coming to things. Yeah. But yeah, Ben has to to head home I have to go and work but yeah um, hopefully you've enjoyed this um, and uh, yeah we'll be returning to normal Skype stroke FaceTime um, audio recording next time but if you if you like this video um, you've got any comments on it let us know and um, we'll see what we can do to do more of these next time